Hello. Hey, Martin. Dom. Hey, how's it going, man? It's good. How are you? How nice to hear from you. What's up? Well, I got a new podcast here, and I wanted to get you on it. Do you mind joining me? <laughs> a podcast? Well, of course I don't mind joining you. There's nothing I'd rather be doing on this wet afternoon in England than being on a podcast with you. Oh, wonderful. So we're going to turn the dial and we'll get going. Cool. Let's go. Hi, everybody. You're listening to American Songster Radio. I'm Don Flemons. Today on the show, I speak with one of the greats of English folk guitar, Martin Simpson. In 2014, I had the privilege of collaborating with Martin on the album Ever Popular Favorites, a commission for the English Folk Dance and Song Society. Martin hails from the town of Scunthorpe, which is in the north of England. And on this episode, Martin and I are going to talk about some of the ways that the environment in which he started playing music really influenced the way that he put his music together. When I was 12, I got a guitar, and that exactly coincided with the Scunthorpe Folk Club opening around the corner from my house. And the thing about the folk scene at that point is that everybody who came through would play these folk clubs. So I saw, I saw the most astonishing musicians at incredibly close range. Later in the show, I'll grab my guitar and play you a version of Payday, which is a song that's featured on Martin and I's newest record, a selection of ever popular favorites. Yes, I did all I can do I can't get along with you I'm gonna take you to your mama P.D. 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 I take you to your mama P.D. Now that a rabbit's in a log So, now that we've gotten all the preamble out of the way, Martin Simpson, welcome to American Songster Radio. It's a great pleasure, Dom. It's really good to be on. Yeah, well, it's a, it's been a it's been a real pleasure getting to work with you over the past couple of years and to be able to uh, explore the different connections between American folk music and English folk music. It's yeah, it has. It's been a, a treat, which uh, I hope to continue for years to come. I have to say, I think there's plenty more, uh, plenty plenty more investigation to be done. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, just for our listeners who may not be familiar with English folk music, tell us a little bit about yourself here as a, as a master musician, how you connected with the different uh, types of music over your career. Well, the very first time I was aware of American folk music, really, was um, Paul Robeson uh, singing spirituals, you know, singing uh, gospel music. Now... Just uh, so the the listeners can know who some of these people are, first mention a little bit about Paul Robeson and who he was. Well, Paul Robeson was um, he was a black college athlete. Um, he was a tremendous uh, performer and singer who became you became a big star um, in America through um, I guess Showboat. You know, he sang Old Man River in Showboat, and uh, and he became a very successful recording artist. And he had a lot of sympathy for the plight of coal miners over here. And he was very left-wing, indeed, uh, which basically uh, wrecked his career because, the, you know, the right-wing in America took him to pieces. They took away his passport and... and uh, 
really did kind of a an obnoxious job on him. Yeah, that's of course the uh, the famous blacklisting from the House of Un-American Activities that uh, we had here in the United States many decades ago. And yeah, yeah, it was a. Uh, a really unfortunate time, but thankfully, you know, with Paul Robeson, instead of uh, just kind of, uh, you know, losing his cool, he just jumped off, jumped on a boat, made his way to England, and then made his own stardom again uh, yep. across the pond. Yeah, and he became a hero, really, to a lot of people in South Wales, and a lot of, you know, just a lot of working people in this country thought he was absolutely the bee's knees. My mother had some 78s of him singing things like, Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child, and that was the first time I heard that, any of that music. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. I was only a very small child. But I could feel the emotional content of that music. I wasn't sure I understood it, but I just remember the kind of beautiful melancholy of it, you know, the sense of pain in it. And I fell in love. And I guess, you know, it all started with that kind of thing, just falling in love with songs. And then I, want, I really wanted, really, really wanted to, to sing songs, and I wanted to accompany them with an instrument, and uh, I decided that I wanted a guitar first. And, and that took a bit of time. So when I was 12, I got a guitar, and that exactly coincided with the Scunthorpe Folk Club um, opening around the corner from my house, actually in a good companion's hut, like an old kind of uh, Second World War army hut sort of thing. And I I used to go around there on a Tuesday night, and I think it was sixpence to get in. Could you tell a little bit about the English folk clubs and kind of how the English folk scene has uh, continued to sustain itself uh, compared to here in the United States, we kind of gave up the coffee house scene and everything like that. Could you describe that to folks a little bit? Hopefully we'll yeah. get some young proprietors out here that might want to start their own coffee houses. That's a lovely. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it is it is a thriving scene over here. I played a club um, a couple of weeks ago that's been running for 50 years, you know, and they've got, <laughs> they actually, they wheeled out their old books and said, we first booked you in, I think it was, uh, it was 1976. So, <laughs> wow, 1976, and they said, oh, and we, we know how much we paid you as well. <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, I hope you're going to pay me more tonight. You know, But the thing about the folk scene was that it just, it exploded. And it was exploding in reaction to, I mean, to start with, it was exploding in reaction to post-war American influence. And uh, when I was 15, for instance, I went to see one of the Lippmann Rao blues packages. And it was, in, uh, it was at the Manchester Free Trade Hall. On the bill was T-Bone Walker and John Lee Hooker, Jimmy Reed, Big Joe Williams, Big Walter Horton, Curtis Jones, 
and on and on. And it just blew my brains out, completely blew my brains out. You know, so we didn't have um, a tradition of fingerstyle guitar playing in this country. But by the middle 1960s, by Christ, we did. People like Bert Jansch, Scottish guitar player Bert Jansch, David Graham, and John Renborn, those guys, and they were all taking from American playing. So that was, you know, sort of 1962 onwards and by the end of the 1960s i mean these british guitar players were having a massive effect you know on guitar playing in the states which i think is really interesting and that can that continues to this day that's pretty amazing there so when i finally came over and started touring with you all of a sudden i realized that cd stores had their own martin simpson sections i mean uh <laughs> Where you, you ha you've put out so many records over time. Now, when when did you feel like, oh, I could I could really do this as a profession? Well, the mad the mad answer to that, but the real answer to that is, almost immediately I got my hands on a guitar. There was a part of me that just knew that that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I, I, you know, I had a really funny experience recently where I was talking to, I met up with a friend of mine who was on that trip to see the Lipman Rao Blues package, you know, and, uh, and he said to me, you know, something that I've never understood about you is how you actually did the things that you did. You were so driven. And, and he said, like, at the end of that gig, in Manchester, at the Manchester Free Trade Hall, we were going, where's Simpson? Where's he gone? And you were in the dressing room with the guys. And, yeah, I was. You know, I was, I was hanging out with Big Joe Williams and, and getting Jimmy Reed's autograph and stuff like that because it was absolutely what I wanted, where I wanted to be, and what I needed to do. And so... The, the the immediate answer to the to the question is I kind of knew immediately that that's what I wanted to do. Now uh, let's let's delve a little bit more into uh, this idea that everything's all mixed together. Now was that something that came to you right as you were learning the music, or was that something that that uh, I guess uh, that you thought about later on as you started learning more songs? Well, it was it was something that I kept finding these relationships uh, you know for instance i got my guitar and and it was you know it was in standard tuning and i was fighting to play these big chords and all that kind of thing and then uh i got my banjo and the banjo of course is tuned differently and i thought whoa this is interesting <laughs> and uh, and then as i continued to play i discovered that there were other ways to tune the guitar and uh, which I then discovered were the same as ways you tune the banjo, and and uh, and it just all kept making loops. It all kept making these loops, and and the loops would intertwine, 
and I was learning English songs and Scottish songs and American songs, and <laughs> people used to say, look, you can't do this, you've got to make up your mind. And uh, I really, I didn't think that I should make up my mind. I really felt that actually all this music was related. Um, and, I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I just figured that it was just a very broad spectrum and at one end, you know, was African-American music, and at the other end probably was, you know, unaccompanied Scottish singing, and uh, and and it all blended together for me. And and actually, I was right. Damn it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and one song that 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 we uh, we worked up together was the song "Short Times Come Again No More." And uh, that was one that was really interesting, that while we were there putting together these other songs, uh, you had a friend, I think, that had, um, that had seen this song sheet of Short Times Come Again No More, which is a parody of the, uh, the Stephen Foster song, uh, the American composer Stephen Foster's song, uh, Hard Times Come Again No More. But it was, uh, it was catered to uh, English taste, and I guess if you'd uh, mention a little bit about that. Well, it, it, it's a, a perfectly... Um, great example of how American, what I mean, popular music has has affected English and British popular music for a very long time. Because this is actually from the time of the American Civil War. So over here, Stephen Foster songs, you know, through the minstrelsy, I guess, were uh, making their presence felt. And, of course, at the time of the American Civil War, you know, the north of England was being very much affected. And uh, this song talks about how the, the difficulty of, of dealing with, with America had led to the fact that there was, you know, a huge hardship to the cotton industry in the northwest. It's the song of the factory workers Short time, short time Come again no more For we can't get our cotton From the old Kentucky shore Oh, short time Come again no more Short time, in fact it's, I keep forgetting this, The song Short Time is actually what it is. But, um, of course, the original song is Hard Time. So what they're talking about is working short shifts, short hours in the factory, short time, come again no more. So, you know, they couldn't actually make enough money to support their families uh, on account of the, the war in the States, you know, the war between the States, I should say. Yeah, and it's one of those things where we usually tend to think about English and uh, and American folk music mixing together in the Appalachian re regions with just the ballads, but to see evidence of of a continued exchange that's gone on between American and and English folk music traditions uh, that's continued to go on is it's it's something that just is so amazing. Well, I think I think the other thing that people miss is the fact that you know in the British folk clubs. The American folk music traditions have have massively, massively influenced the folk scene and 
because the folk scene in the 60s was actually massively influential on the rest of the music scene in this country. Mm. You know, we, you have people like Rod Stewart and Eric Clapton, who are some of the biggest, you know, stars in inverted commas in, in popular music from Britain. All of those guys were hugely influenced by, for instance, a guy called Wiz Jones on the folk scene, who was a beatnik who loved Big Bill Brunzi, you know, and, and could play really excellent blues guitar back in the early 60s. And he blew those guys' heads off, you know. And, and so they went on to be, you know, <laughs> to be influencing the, the world of guitar and the world of pop music but massively influenced by black American musicians who made their way into this country originally on record, you know, and then in person eventually. And, uh, and so it goes around, you know. Well, that's a, one, that's a wonderful thing. There. That's a really wonderful thing. Well, uh, Martin, I think uh, we're getting close to the end of our time here on the show, and thank you so much for joining us on American Songster Radio. Well, next time warn me. Okay. <laughs> It's a total pleasure, Dom. Thank you very much. All right. We've had Martin Simpson, the, the excellent guitar player and songwriter, on the radio show this time around. Martin, thanks again. We'll catch you next time around. Great. All the very best. Bye-bye. Well, this next song is one called Payday. And this is a song that Martin and I did on our album, A Selection of Ever-Popular Favorites. And just to give you kind of a sense of, of uh, our synergy as we play together, so I'll play you a little bit of the song right now, just kind of how I was doing it beforehand. And then I'll play a little bit of the uh, cut with Martin, since Martin can't be here, obviously, live in the studio with me, since he's over in England. I got this one from the great recordings of... Mississippi John Hurt and when I played this one for Martin he uh, was also aware of the same album and the two of us got into this really interesting conversation about this particular song because John Hurt did his payday but you find it uh, both with black and white interpreters you have in uh, other parts of Mississippi it's called uh, Blues Jump the Rabbit uh, or Rabbit and the Log and then in a Kind of in the hillbilly and the, the white musical traditions, you find it as Keep My Skillet Good and Greasy by uh, Uncle Dave Macon. And also Doc Boggs uh, does it as Red Rocking Chair. Uh, I Ain't Got No Sugar Baby Now and every type of song that's kind of like that. And so we got into this really interesting conversation about how most of the time the black interpreters tended to play major and sing the the, the song out of a minor key while the white interpreters tended to play the minor key while singing it in the major key. So it was a really interesting sort of a little little interchange. But let me play you play you this one here, Payday. Along with you, I'm gonna take you to your mama, P.D. 
P.D. P.D. I take you to your mama. P.D. Now that a rabbit's in a low, I ain't got no rabbit dog, and I hate to see my rabbit get away, get away, get away. If I can, if I can, I'll make it to my shanty if I can. American Songster Radio is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This episode was produced by David Brower, Joe O'Connell, and me, Dom Flemons, the American Songster. To learn more about Martin Simpson and our collaborative album, a selection of ever popular favorites, check out the American Songster Radio section of WUNC.org. There are more episodes of this podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We've got episodes up there featuring conversations with Valerie June, Jake Fussell, and other artists and researchers with a passion for American vernacular music. If you like what you hear on American Songster Radio, subscribe, download, and tell a friend. Until next time, this is Dom Flemons, the American Songster, signing out.